2: you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320
3: KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on your Monday, May 16th on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. The NBA Combine has stowed well. The NBA G League combine has started this week, but it's basically an extension of the NBA combine. So theoretically, it's all started this week. And uh, already the first scrimmage was in the books. Jalen Wilson was part of one of the teams. His team ended up winning. He led the game in points, he had 18 points. He went four of six from three, which that is that's, a little you unusual it. from what we saw, right? I don't know if you can keep counting on that, but hey, if you can. No, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want to overreact to one scrimmage and be like, oh, I his, do. his shooting's fixed. Okay, I mean, we can. Like, his shooting's fixed. If he's coming back to Kansas, he's going to be a knockdown three-point <laughs> shooter. He's winning big 12 play of the year. He's going to be an All-American, right? Um, but he did at times this year. Like it felt like one of those things where, when he was on, he would hit multiple threes in a game. When he was off, it'd be like one for five or 0 oh for four. But you know, there was a, a three for four game against Kansas State. There were a couple uh, two three point make games. Uh, there was, was that a three the K for State six. game
0: where everybody was making yes, threes?
3: Correct. What a night. He he had uh, three threes in a game. I think three times this season. He had two threes. A handful of other times. So again, we'll we'll wait and see. But it. I, I will say if we are going to go into the, um, I guess. I don't know, overreaction part of it, I would say that if you watch the video of some of these threes, because first of all, these these are on NBA courts. So yeah. already they're deeper than college threes. Yep. He takes one from like four feet behind the NBA line and knocks it down. You didn't really see that much in college. So I, I don't know. It's, it's possible that it was just a hot game, but it's also possible that whether you'd want to take, because you can take it two ways if, if he's a good shooter. Either one, again, like, oh, he's going to be unstoppable next year at Kansas, or you can take it as... Oh, if he's shooting really well, maybe there is more of a path for him staying into the draft.
0: Uh, real quick, before we get rolling, and the folks listening on the podcast may not get this, but for the for our loyal listeners listening live who just heard that Fox News update, Cincinnati, you make one Super Bowl and these brats just think they can go nuts on their, <laughs> on their little mini-scooters. Come on! Anyway, sorry, I just found that kind of a funny... Uh, everybody knows how I like funny news stories, mm. so run just citizens running amok with e-scooters is a fin- funny image to me. But yeah, I, I think if he has found a, a three, then I think that that is is, you're that's a catch 22 on the one side. You're like, okay, that could show you a lot. You know, if he comes back, the other side of that though, is that probably is more evidence that he isn't coming back. Um, We've kind of been told on air, really, uh, by by a lot of the the KU guys. Well, we have a lot of KU guys, but we keep hearing that a lot of what might keep Jalen Wilson is in the NBA draft is his own confidence um, in spite of what he might get told. And we, jo- I mean, I joked a little bit ago, I, you know, you were right. You obviously don't want to overreact to one scrimmage and, and obviously scouts and front office guys won't. Now it could be a sign that he winds up being invited to the, the one of the four or five, however many get invited from the G league. Combine and I don't think there's the regular a set combine. number. I think it's just, Hey, we yeah, want to see these at guys. A right? level. But even then that, okay. So you bump up from the G league combine to the actual combine and which is great. I don't want to downplay that achievement, but still, there are more guys at the NBA Combine than there are draft picks in the NBA draft.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, now, There's look, 76 who got already invited. Yeah, and, and
0: you could add, you know, so it could be upwards of 80 that actually go if, if they bring four or more in from the G League Combine. Um, and look, if, the Jalen's confidence in, in Self, I mean, we, we've said this already, Self talked all year about how this team was probably more confident than than their skills. I don't. I, I can't. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he basically said they, they were not lacking confidence. Yeah, he, um, he basically
3: said this isn't my most talented team. Yeah, but it's yeah. Probably the most confident.
0: And there's no doubt in my mind that that confidence got them to where you know to become a, a, a national title team. And so that's outstanding. And look, if Jalen Wilson's confidence carries him to say, "No, I'm not coming back. I want. To, I don't care what these scouts tell me." And then that leads him to get a two way contract going undrafted. But then he shows out in summer camp and actually, or in a Vegas um, Summer League and goes nuts and he actually gets a contract. Then awesome. Good for him. Um, I'm just worried that's not, you know, it, 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 I'm worried that the confidence could steer him in a direction that, um, might not you know
3: that that might not be true to his value exactly yeah. that he
0: might view himself more valuable to an nba franchise than than the 31 right. or 32 nba franchise
3: because for do. instance what if he I, I don't know how many scrimmages he plays in or how many everybody plays in, but let's say they have i don't know three or four scrimmages and let's say each one he does this he he looks really good he, he shoots the ball really well and then you're thinking if you're jalen wilson like oh i'm i'm competing at the highest level i'm i'm be playing better than all these other guys who are draft prospects, you know, maybe I should stay in. And um, I don't know. It's it's still a long way to go for that. Let's, like I said, see what he does in other games. But it's certainly drawing eye of a lot of different, you know, people who deal with scouting or the NBA. I know John Hollinger is a former GM in the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies, like five, six years ago. So you're not talking like that long ago. Uh, he he made mention of him. He was like he he absolutely needs to be in the NBA comment. So he's drawing people's eyes. It's interesting, and good for him if it does end up turning into something. And if it you know, works
0: out, then awesome.
3: Yeah, great. Um, but it, it'll be definitely interesting to monitor from here on. And and that certainly happens. And
0: what if? Let me just throw this potential out there. Mm-hmm. What if you know Ochai will probably get draft? Well, no, well, I think barring we almost everybody certainly expects Ochai to be a first round draft pick. It seems to—we'll see how the combine goes, but it seems to be inching in that direction for Christian Brown. It's kind of funny because people looked at this, and and I think we would agree this team was not as talented as the 08 team. But it's kind of funny, the potential that if Jalen Wilson does show out and maybe gets a two-way contract and makes something of that, and maybe he even, you know, does something in the NBA— like, what if we are in five years looking back and going, well, yeah, of course that Kansas team won a national title. They had Ochai who just got a second yeah, NBA contract. Christian Brown contract. becomes an all-star. Christian or Brown just got a second NBA contract. Jalen Wilson just got a second NBA contract. Like, it's just a funny, yeah, th- thought to because we've we've already declared the talent level here is below the 08 team, and I'm still sticking with that. But it's a funny thought to consider.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be like unearthly if that if this group had a better. I don't know, NBA career to it. Like Mario Chalmers had a very good NBA career. He won titles and and all these things. But like, yeah, to to your point, we we could go back and and revisit it. It it almost helps us sometimes when that happens. I think we're seeing that with like Villanova. You know, the Villanova 2018 team as great as they had so many players that went on. Like, Mikhail Bridges, it's not just that he was a lottery pick. He's been great in the NBA. Or Jalen Brunson, who was National Player of the Year, but it was like, eh, he's an early second-round pick in the pros. Like, now he's awesome. for He's the second-best player on a team that's in the conference finals, right? But, Butler.
0: I mean, they, yeah. now they, they were a 5C, but, you know, a, a, a Wichita State, who was a, a low seed and made yeah, a final Fred 4 Fred Van run, and like and an all-star been, now. Yeah, exactly. And they no, little did we know... They had, and then, uh, yeah, and then Butler was a five it just seed, makes so much more sense. And everyone's like, who, who the heck is Butler, a five seed, going to the Final Four? Well, okay, by the way, they've got a Supermax player on right. their team in Gordy
3: Hayward. Right. So, it, it is interesting. I, I will say this. Um, as far as these scrimmages and everything go, I would think these are the perfect setting for Jalen Wilson. We, we've we talked about this before, and, and this would probably be the case for Christian Brown. I don't know if he's going to participate in the scrimmages on the, the NBA Draft Combine one. Um but both those guys are great transition players. In the case of Jalen, he's obviously a, a wing kind of forward type that can handle the ball, that can dribble it up off a rebound, take it up himself. He had three assists in the game. He can pass it a little bit. He can get rebounds and run. He can drive, take it to the rim, and then he can hit transition threes when he's open, which it looked like that was kind of like a, a lot of the the three-point shots that he made in the game to where this setting really turns out perfectly, I think, for him. Which, yeah, so I guess it's only one scrimmage. I'd expect him to get an invite to the NBA Draft Combine itself. But, again, what that actually means, kind of got to wait and see.
0: Yeah, we already know that there will be more players. That's just a fact of mathematics. Mm-hmm. There are going to be more players at the NBA Draft draft Combine than there will be draft picks in the NBA. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it, look, it, it. if nothing else, he's getting competition against um, – uh, you know, higher level. I mean, he already played at the highest level you can in college basketball, um, but he's going to keep going up against guys who are, um, you know, who are at his level. And maybe what this shows is maybe he does come back and what these perform, if he puts together a couple more of these performances, what what it shows isn't that he's going to go to the NBA draft, but what it shows is that he actually does have the potential of coming back and maybe not do it i mean cuz it's so rare to do what ochai did um but maybe it, it it is going to be evidence that he could really be something when he, if he do, does choose to come back after he gets the um you know the 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 feedback from scouts and front office uh, people yep and if he does
3: come back and he continues to shoot like this ooh that's going to be fun conversations in the offseason uh, the nba conference finals are set after the weekend that was the Mavericks finished off the week I'll say this like There were a bunch of uh, Game 7s over the weekend Between the NBA, there a bunch of NHL ones The NHL ones were a lot more exciting Yes, they were A lot more exciting um, The two that we got yesterday were absolute stinkers The Mavericks just obliterated that, yeah, the Yeah, that game was done and then um, the the Celtics-Bucks was a game at halftime, and then at the start of the third quarter, the Celtics just pulled away, and then it got even worse as the game went on. So neither ended up being really close, um, and, and that was the case for the elimination games in Game Sixes as well. For you know the the Heat never really had issues with the Sixers in Game Six. Uh, the Warriors-Grizzlies was close, and then the, the Warriors kind of pulled away in the last like five minutes or so. Of the that Warriors
0: game. now have home home court advantage exactly. throughout the rest of the playoffs. So. Really, the include, rest of the playoffs. Include, yeah, they have the same uh, they have the same record as the Heat, and they went two and zero against the Heat. It's just funny because so when you look make, at it, you're like, oh, the
3: Heat are the ones. He, the Warriors. Yeah, are the no. Two. So
0: if they make the um, if they make the finals, they have the same record, and and the, in the uh, Warriors um, went two and zero against the Heat this year. So Warriors, if wow, they make, they'll get the Western Conference Finals. They have home court, and if they make the NBA Finals, they'll have home court there too.
3: So before we the kind rich of rich get richer, man, I know, right? Before we kind of break down those those Conference Finals, I I do want to point out a couple things. One um yikes for Chris Paul uh number two he was
0: all playoffs
3: yeah well I I okay so first of all you know and and I'm gonna say this and and I think you agree with this the the NBA narrative game and the narrative game in general is kind of stupid but the NBA narrative game is on a whole nother level right and and a lot of it is stupid so like the I also think a lot of it's player driven though for sure for sure good, but like good, for instance, good
0: or bad players know that attention is good for
3: them yes so I, I don't know if you remember last headed into the playoffs last year just last year, Giannis Antetokounmpo—that was like a conversation of—is he just not a playoff like guy? You know what I mean? Like, is is he can he not raise the team because they had they had not been to the finals yet with Giannis, despite winning multiple MVPs, and they they blew the two zero lead in the Eastern yep. Conference Finals on the Raptors, and then lost the next four. And that was a real conversation. And then he wins the title, and now it's it's like never going to be a conversation again. It's so crazy how fickle things are, which. You know, you get to a certain standpoint, because this is something you say, like, it is until it isn't, right? But um, it's just funny how quickly things change, because Giannis is a... If Kevin Durant has his foot behind the line in Game 7... It's over. It's over, and at that point, we're talking about Giannis has only even made it out because they lose the Celtics. And and again, like, I'm not putting blame on him, so I'm I'm not trying to steer into the narrative game, because Chris Middleton, their second-best player, was out, and they got... The Celtics shot, they made like 22 threes, and the Bucs made like three. So, of mm-hmm. course, you're going to lose that game. But um, if that were the case, he would have only made it out of the second round even once in yeah. his career. And I guess the point there is two things. One, again, the narratives are stupid, and it is such a, a team sport. But also, I think, and part of the reason that these narratives are this way and that it is such player-driven, I think LeBron has just straight-up spoiled it. Because think about it. Like, how many teams have we seen where LeBron has had what— you know, Giannis had around him. And for a second, I thought Giannis was going to do what LeBron would do in that situation where it's like, there's no, this other team's better than him. He yeah. can't get by. But he just puts up 45, 10, and, and, and that's what Giannis amazing. was doing. He, he had a, uh, I think it was a 200, 150 series. So he had yeah, over is 200 years. He, he was, I think,
0: the first ever to do that.
3: Yeah. So like he he almost very much did that. But I think it just it specializes, and I don't want to turn this into a LeBron MJ or can Giannis ever but be it, as good it, as LeBron. It, 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 puts it into perspective. specializes how crazy that is.
0: Yeah, it puts it into perspective. Everybody, well, not everybody. A lot of people piss and moan about LeBron in joining the super team that was the Heat with uh, he and Chris Bosch. And of course, Mario Chalmers. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, That's the real part of the super yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the
0: real key. Uh, he can't win a title without wow. a Jayhawk. We, Sasha Khan was part of his yeah, super team uh, in he, Cleveland. He had a Mori in mm-hmm. um, in L. A. Uh, but um, they, what a lot of people, I don't think enough people realize, is yes, you br- you can blame LeBron for the super team phenomenon. But not because by the way, blew, they but not draft
3: Ochai, right? I don't even know if they have yeah, a first absolutely, pick, but yeah.
0: anyway, anyway But you, you don't blame LeBron for the super team phenomenon for going and joining Miami. You blame him because Boston had to build a super team to get by him. Because <laughs> exactly what you're discuss, uh, discussing is what he did in 07, and they went on to lose to the Spurs, who were the freaking Spurs, who might have the greatest coach in NBA history, and at that time still had Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that, yeah. that 07 Cleveland team lost to the Spurs... But they got by the Celtics in the 07 Eastern Conference playoffs, and what did the Celtics do? Holy crap! We got to go get an, you know a couple, an, you know, another superstar and Kevin Garnett and a bordering—I don't know if you want to call Ray Allen superstar, but still a very, very, very good player—and get Ray Allen. Um, so it's it's LeBron's fault that the super team exists, but not because he joined Miami, but because he forced Boston to build one. <laughs> And he then he went back to to Cleveland, and yes, he was. I will say he was helped along by um, Draymond Green's suspension and, mm-hmm. and why the, that the Cavs were able but to so get that I think title. About the finals the year but, before that, yeah, exactly. Where they lost, and they got and Matthew Deladova was yeah. like their second best, and they player. got and and they got I think in a couple games closer, and I yeah. think a lot of people would want to admit. So yeah, Le, LeBron like that just doesn't happen. Anymore. It's it's incredible, mm-hmm. and and the fact that. Giannis Antetokounmpo can't do that. Is not an indictment? No. And again, he got
3: damn close. Um, oh yeah,
0: you can't. Nobody
3: can blame.
0: But I mean, just but look, a, back back like, in the day, like
3: appreciate the greatness when it's happening. Yeah, and
0: there and there yeah. were discussions that you know about uh, about Michael Jordan. Can you know there were? Can he do that in the playoffs? When you know they were losing to the Celtics, and nobody, everybody said, well, no, he just can't do it in the playoffs. Would ignore the fact that in that series against the Celtics, he scored sixty-three points. It's just he didn't have enough around. Sixty-three points for one player should typically be right. enough to to win a basketball game. Um, and then, of course, we all know what happened. So, yeah, I I I think the the super team is kind of, um, and and even Michael had a he had Scottie Pippen, and then the second go around had Dennis Rodman. So let's not pretend like he didn't have um thing. But I I agree I agree completely. Um, what LeBron did was
3: Unearthly. was amazing. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, Heat-Celtics, Warriors-Mavericks in the two conference finals. Um, on the West Bolster side of continues things. To
0: just be amazing. Yeah,
3: here, actually, let's start there. Let's start there, because yeah, he is, I think at this point, I don't even know who else would be, like, obviously, there's a lot of guys in the discussion, but I, I feel like it's pretty hands down he's the best coach in the NBA, right, at this point. I mean, if you count Greg no. Popovich, but like, yeah, but Popovich is kind of clearly... It's on the down if, slope, Popovich right? is the
0: best in... Uh, of, uh, of legacy, oh, of, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. achievement. But at
3: this moment,
0: mm-hmm. Eric Spolstra's just... Like, what were they? They were three or four in the bubble, and they went to the finals.
3: Yep. I mean, this is what you're... If the Heat go on to win the finals this year, you're talking three different championships for that franchise over different decades. Now, Spolstra was just the assistant, I think, on the uh, oh, Dwayne Wade, 07, oh, six, oh, 06, whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, the okay. team that
0: beat the Mavs.
3: Um, but I mean, you're talking winning titles with multiple. Things. You'd be talking about, like you said, going to the finals with that team. Like it's been remarkable what he has done, and I, I mean, mean they're the one seed. Yeah,
0: he's he's been he's been just magnificent. I, I don't know how to and and who, you know, they're you know they're not put it this way. You're not going to find a lot of Heat players in the commercials during the games. No, you're not. Are to not. Say they don't have talent. They have plenty of talent, but in terms of Just the the, if you just throw off the list of of great, great, great players who are in every commercial and get all the attention, none of them are wearing a Miami Heat. No, I mean
3: you can all the other teams that are in the conference finals, you could make a case that they have a top five player. I'm not saying they all are top five players, but you could make a, a real case. Warriors, Stephen Curry top 5 player. Luka Doncic, top 5 player. Mm-hmm. Celtics, Jason Tatum, top 5 player. Again, I I don't think all of those are top 5 players, but like you could make There's a some, strong yeah, argument could, that yeah. any one of those are, yep. right? Uh, you don't have that with the Heat. Like Jimmy Butler is really good, but he's not he's not in that I wouldn't discussion, put him in that right? Level, yeah. Um so it's just it's interesting and I think that I kind of like the Celtics because of the fact that they do have that best player in the series with Jason Tatum and their defense has been so darn good, but I will say this. After playing a game seven, a long-fought series, the way the Heat play, they agitate you. They'll get up into you. They'll kind of grind it out. I am taking Heat in Game One with a bullet, but I, I kind of like the Celtics to win that one in six.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, know. look, you do as complimentary and as highly as I think of Eric Spolstra, Um and for me, it really started. Um, for me, it really started in the bubble to get that team to the finals, even though ultimately they fell to the Lakers. But as highly as I think of Spolstra, you do have to add the fact that um, Embiid was out for two games, mm-hmm. and and I think that that changes. Yeah, and such Kyle a Lowry big, being yeah. hurt. By so, the way, I heard a stat. Things, I but, heard a
3: stat on the broadcast. Apparently, this marks now that the Celtics have been in exactly half of the Eastern Conference Finals appearances. That's stupid.
0: Well, it's, it's good that I tweeted this. It's really good that um, the Celtics advance because the Bruins lost in Game Seven the other day, and. Boston sports fans really haven't had much for the <laughs> yeah. last couple decades.
3: There's are starving fan base out there. Um, the other one is the Warriors-Mavericks, which, uh, you know, that was the danger that the Suns were playing with. You go to a Game 7, over the course of the season, the Suns were the better team, but you go to Game 7 against, I mean, Luka Doncic was the best player on, on the floor between those two teams, and so anytime you go to a Game 7 against the best player, that could turn into trouble, and it did. Luka Doncic had 27 at halftime. The Suns had 27 at halftime. I just I have trouble seeing the Mavericks getting by the Warriors. I will say this isn't vintage Warriors. Like the defense isn't quite there. Clay Thompson's still working back from the injury, but they're just uh, they're still such a machine. And, and like I have I have a hard time. It's it's just weird for me because if you have the conversation of like the Mavericks, and I get it. That's that's the power of having the best player. I don't know is Luka Doncic the best player in the series? Is it Steph Curry? I don't know, but. Let's say it is Luca Doncic. It's just hard because the second best player is Jalen Brunson. Who again, good player, like borderline All Star player, but that's not as good as what the Warriors have. Who is the third best player on the Mavericks? Is it like Dorian Finney Smith? Yeah. So it, it's just hard for me to see them going further. This just feels like a nice run by Luca, and that they're more going to be about like what can we add to Luca in the future. That's kind of I, I kind of
0: feel like the the um, the Mavericks might be in a similar position to the Grizzlies in that they they might need to lose to the warriors not you know like their their next step might be losing to a true true contender and then finding out from that how to become a true contender i think the grizzlies are going to be a force to be reckoned with down the road but i think that they had to go through the process of losing to a real championship team um and then i think that if if the mavericks are going to take that step it's not going to be this year it's going to be losing to a true t- t- title team and then learning from that
3: He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll keep an eye on those conference finals in the uh, coming days, coming weeks here on RCST. David Lesky is going to join the show in 15 minutes. We get to our phenomenal four of RCST trivia at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, Case of the Mondays, and some more KU basketball talk at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of India. Minneapolis is incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool, and they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code. Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, and you'll get fifteen percent, fifteen percent off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for fifteen percent off with Home Field Apparel on your first order. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN, and joined now by David Leskey of Inside the Crown. You can uh, go check out his work and you can subscribe to his sub stack, get everything emailed right to your inbox. It's nice for, nice for me. You have a long weekend. You do whatever, and then you pop open your email first thing in, in the morning on Monday, and boom, there it is, story right there. And obviously there's a website and everything you can read, all sorts of work and, and great stuff from David. Uh, so David, Terry Bradshaw is out at the as the uh, Royals hitting coach, to which I don't think I remember the Royals having a hitting coach with that name. I feel like that should be talked about more. But uh, nonetheless, is, is it surprising at all that the Bradshaw firing because I mean we've been hearing for at least a year now, uh, you know it's time to let Cal Eldred go and and you know writing might seem to be on the wall there as well. But is it surprising at all that Terry Bradshaw was out before Cal Eldred?
4: Um, yes. Well, first of all, he's been the hitting coach since 2018, so gonna throw that out. That, <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, um, yeah, a little bit surprising. Um, actually, I want to go back. A year for Calhoun? Come on, it's been at least four years. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's a little bit surprising because you know, in in, in a year where offense is way down, um, and it is, it's 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 picked up a little bit over the last couple weeks, um, but it's it's still way down. The hitting is bad, yes, but everybody's hitting is bad. Uh, most most teams hitting is bad. The pitching in a year when offense is down being bad, I think is a bigger problem. That's, that's my, my hunch there. Um, so yeah, so I'm a little bit surprised, but at the same time you also think about it and, and Cal and Matheny are, are kind of joined at the hip a little bit from their time with the Cardinals. Um, they seem to be close. I would imagine <clears throat> through no inside information that Matheny's been stumping a bit for, to for Cal to keep his job. I don't know why, um, but he probably has. So I, I think that that part of it makes sense, but I mean, look, the reality is both have slash had to go. Um, and so I guess the order that it happens doesn't ultimately matter. Um, Cause I mean, what I've been told this was within the last month or so is there just wasn't a connection between Bradshaw and the hitters. And I mean, the, I put this on Twitter, but the, the truth is most teams are teaching the same things. I mean, most teams are generally, you're not going to find a lot of different, nuts and bolts in the instruction um so it's really about the connection and, and brad just wasn't connecting with the hitters and then at that point you got to say we got to make a move what i'm supr- most surprised about is who they brought in because i figured they'd just promote keone duran or something like that and, and they they went all out they brought up everybody who helped re- revamp the minor league hitting development that's a surprise to me
3: yeah and uh it's just kind of it's funny the timing too of this happening because The Royals did just win two of three in Colorado. They scored 26 runs over the three games, which, again, like kind of funny. They had, out of comparison, 29 runs in the previous nine games for the series. Um, So do you, and I I guess given the firing, I I feel like this is probably how the Royals feel, kind of attribute the offensive output to things turning around, just that the weather was heating up and you played in Coors Field?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think Coors Field played a role. The Rockies pitching staff played played a role. Um, but to be fair, they hadn't hit bad pitching staffs previously either. So, um, of was big. It was nice weather. I mean, I, you know, people, people poo poo this a lot that you, oh well, the weather's been bad. The weather's been bad, but the reality is it has been bad. I mean, <laughs> there, 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 hasn't been good weather anywhere, but like Arizona and LA and San Diego this year. <laughs> so, um, I think that that's part of it too, that they, they finally got to hit in some actual baseball weather, um, but, yeah, I mean, they obviously saw those three games and said, I don't care, which, you know, t- to me, that's a really good sign um, because I was – I was actually a little bit worried that they would backtrack on their thoughts because I had heard, like I said, that there was probably a move coming sometime soon-ish. Um, and I think the, my phrase was relatively soon this morning on Inside the Crown. But, um, you know, I I, I think that, that them – Seeing them score 26 runs didn't deter them, and that's a good thing to me. Um, by the way, when I'm talking about the pitching, they gave up 27 runs. So if the hitting was bad enough <laughs> that they fired the coach, hmm, um, but, yeah, I, I I think that's a good sign for them that they didn't let three games change their mind, um, which, you know, I, I think things like that have happened with this regime before, and, and I'm glad it didn't this time.
3: Well, Merrifield is certainly heating up, which will be good for the the new staff there Um, as far as the hitting coach. Over an 800 OPS over the last week, hitting over 300 over the last week. What have you seen from him to possibly start this turnaround here? And do you think this is the start of a turnaround or is it just a hot week?
4: Um, I think it's a little bit of both, obviously. Um, I think I've said this before, that when a hitter's timing is off, it makes him look slow on fastballs and fast on off-speed pitches, obviously, because he's, <clears throat> you know, just trying to find, find that, that sweet spot there, no pun intended. But um, I, I, I think that his timing kind of got back on track a little bit. And you saw it when he was starting to go up the middle over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, you know, the Royals broadcast irks me for about a billion different reasons, but one thing that they are right about, and I think they go overboard, but they're right is that getting back to going up the middle Going the other way um, that can really help your timing, and that can really help you get back on track. It's kind of like I remember last year we talked about this with with Chris Bubit. She had a tough outing, and he couldn't locate his fastball. And what I've always been told when if you can't locate your fastball, go to your changeup or curveball or whatever, because that gets you back in your delivery. And it's kind of the same thing where going the other way gets you back into your swing a little bit, and it keeps you a little more balanced, a little bit you know more likely to be able to catch up with a fastball and slow down for a breaking ball and all that. And so I think he started to do that, and that's that's a big help. And I, and I think, you know, they, we hear a lot about his bad luck, and it, it got to the point of, I mean, wanting to barf over <laughs> on the road trip before he started to get some hits. But it, he did hit into some bad luck. and That doesn't mean he would have been good, but he would have been better if his luck had been simply average. And, you know, batting average on balls in play below two hundred coming into the road trip. And then I I don't don't know if it's over or not now, but he he's getting some balls to fall in. Um, And so I think some of the luck is just evening out, um, which, which is was bound to happen over the course of the season. Um, But also I think he's hot right now, which is fine. Um, I, I just think it's important to remember this, this guy has been, his numbers have steadily been declining every year over the last four seasons. And they were good enough to start that you didn't really notice it like in 2019. Um, But 2020, he had had, had one of his longest slumps before this year um, in 2020 and and bounced back and was fine. Then last year, I mean, if you go by weighted runs created plus, he was below average. He was at 91 last season. And then this year, obviously, has been a disaster. So uh, to expect him to get back to even 2020, I'm not sure that you can do that. But, I mean, the Royals are going to play him, and so they need him to get back to something. And this was definitely a good start for him.
3: Uh, We're talking with David Lesky here on – Rockshock Sports Talk. You you mentioned the the pitching giving up a a lot of runs, and one of the guys who uh, saw a good amount of those under his belt was Carlos Hernandez. It's so interesting because uh, at times last year it was like, man, is he going to actually end up being the most promising of this young group? And now this year he's struggled just as much as as any of them with you know Chris Bubich and and so forth. To where it, it makes me wonder now, like, what do you think is the long term? For Carlos Hernandez, and, and what do you think would be more likely coming up here? Him moving back down to AAA or maybe even moving to the bullpen?
4: Yeah, so actually there's an interesting little note that I got on Hernandez from uh, an Inside the Crown subscriber. I wasn't watching the Rockies broadcast, but I wrote today that when you see that many pitches spit on by the Rockies who don't have good plate discipline, you wonder a little bit if he's tipping his pitches. Um, <clears throat> and apparently on the Rockies broadcast – this is what the the reader sent to me. Uh, they mentioned that they could tell when he was going to throw a fastball, and if the Rockies broadcast can see that, I'm guessing the Rockies hitters can see that, <laughs> and I'm guessing the Orioles hitters could see that, and you know so on and so forth throughout the season. And so, if that's the issue, that's awesome because that is so easily fixable. Um, that you know it, it's just there, there's no issue there, I and mean, it, it's it's it might take a um, six weeks or whatever to, to get him back and do a delivery that's not, that's not tipping his pitches. But so that, that's the good news. Um, but as for what they're going to do with him, I, you know, I think this stuff is good enough that even if he's tipping his pitches and going one inning at a time, he could be an elite reliever. Um, you know, the fastball is upper nineties. I think in a short roll, you could see 10 101 pretty regularly. Curveball is really good. He's got other good pitches that he can go to if need be. Um, but I, I think the organization, and I think they're right about this, wants him to start. Um, and so I would bet A for him. The problem <laughs> is with the doubleheader tomorrow, thanks, owners, um, they may need him to start on Thursday. Um, I My guess is that he won't because of how bad he's been. And Ronald Bolaños, who was solid in relief on uh, Saturday night, should get that start if they need somebody, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do because they've already got Heasley up Singer is probably going to start one of the games tomorrow. I don't know if that that may have been announced by now. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it, but um, seems pretty likely. And so then all of a sudden you've got Chris Bubich who hasn't been down long enough. Jackson Coar finally had a really good start in triple a, but he's only had one really good start triple a. Do you want to throw him to the fire that quickly? I don't. I wouldn't. Um, so there's just not a lot of options. Um, and so they may need him in the rotation for one more start, which you know kind of stinks because of how bad he's been. But I, I think ultimately he ends up in AAA. I would. I would I feel a lot more confident knowing the Rockies announcers were so gung ho about him tipping his pitches because I think that like I said I think that's a pretty easy fix. So that that's where I think he goes. We we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess.
3: Uh or Jackson Kowar has I don't know, maybe kind of figured things out after struggling at the start of the MLB season, going down, really having issues even in AAA and and now that comes around. Uh, so I guess two parts to this one. What does that speak to? You know exactly what you were talking about there with the the switch of of hitting coaches and going down to the the minor league levels to to bring that up. What does that speak to in regards to uh, the Royals? I guess in, in terms of coaching and, and developing pitching or, or whatnot at the minor league levels versus the major leagues. And do you envision Jackson Coar coming back up soon?
4: Well, I, I think I think Coar is really important to this organization right now in a way that I wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago when he was sent down, because from what I I haven't seen him, um, but from what I've heard is they did a lot of, I don't even know if I'd say reworking, reworking is probably too strong, but tinkering with him and changing some arm slot to get a little more run on his fastball and, and, and doing some stuff, a lot, a lot of kind of what Daniel Lynch did this off season, to get a little more extension on his fastball, get a little more ride, all that. Um, and, and it's kind of, damning to the big league staff that they couldn't do that now it's not entirely fair because the lockout prohibited them from talking to him even from december 3rd until march what 10th i think it was so that 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 gives them a little bit of a pass but at the same time the royals thought hey we can't our big league staff can't do this we have to send them to AAA for this and you know knowing that and seeing the results were, were, were rough for what four or five stars i think um but then, yeah, on I think it was Saturday night, six shutout innings. He like only walked one batter, from what I heard. Looked really, really good out there against um, the Iowa Cubs. So that that's a really interesting case study. If Dane Johnson and, and the Omaha staff turn him around and get, you know, his, his fastball is not big league playable. It's just way too straight, or was at least. If they can figure out something with how to make him. A quality starter in the big leagues given what they what he was prior to that I don't see how you can look at the big league coaching staff and say yep they should be there instead of instead of Dane Johnson or whoever has been working with him in Omaha so I I think I mean we want to see it a couple more times obviously because Jackson Carr clearly is talented he got by with what he did last year and had an era under one for his first six or seven starts before he got called up but if he can keep this up and that the results are, are the results are there, but also the, the look and feel is there. I don't know how you can justify it. And, and I think that once, once he does do it three or four times, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you have to get him up there because the guys who are up there just simply aren't performing that well right now.
3: Uh, uh, I'm trying to think how to put this uh, Daniel Lynch to me has, has looked so good and gotten so many uh, whiffs and everything. And, you know, I, I do very much wonder. I, I think it helps a lot that, that Zach Greinke is almost like his own pitching coach instead of having just Cal Eldridge. And I think I've said before that um, whenever the Royals do get another pitching coach, if it is a somebody who's better at, at the position, that I think Daniel Lynch could really thrive into that. So I'll ask you this. Um, if I told you Daniel Lynch, all-star appearances of .5 by the 2023 all-star game, what would you take?
4: Ooh. That's a great question. Cause I think he's right on the cusp. I really do. Like you mentioned, all those whiffs. He's got double-digit whiffs and five out of six starts, which is really impressive. He was the only guy, only Royal Starter to have double digit whiffs in a game up until whenever Keller started in Texas. So Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever that was. Um, and now they've had three guys do it because Heasley did it and Grinky did it too. Um, but or four guys, I guess, if you include Lynch. So wow, I I feel like, yeah, if they get a better pitching coach in there, they can unlock the last little bit of Daniel Lynch. Um, I'm going to take the over because I think he makes it next year. And, and I think that um, – I think he ends up being the biggest Royals drafty success story, um, overtakes Duffy, overtakes Ventura, who unfortunately obviously didn't get a chance to show what he could do long term. But um, I, I think Lynch is an all-star by next season as long as they get the right guys in place
3: okay we're doing our uh, RCST trivia competition which is KU basketball trivia but I do have a Royals trivia question for you uh Jacob Junis currently has a 1.0 war for the Giants he's down to a 1.8 or a sub 1.8 era can you name the two Royals players who are ahead of him currently in war is that
4: baseball reference war?
3: yes baseball yeah because yeah that's a good point because I know you know fan graphs and baseball reference and stuff they have different formulas but nonetheless can you name the two on baseball reference
4: Oh, that's a good question. I'm guessing it is Andrew Benintendi. Is that right?
3: No, it is not.
4: Oh, well, I'm already out. <laughs> hey, give me another chance. Give me another All chance. Give me another chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. You
3: get three strikes. It's baseball.
4: Oh, I have three strikes. Okay. Yeah, so that's strike okay. one. Uh, let's see. Uh, probably nobody on the offensive side. So I'm going to guess it's Keller. Yes. Yeah, Keller. Keller definitely. Is that one. is correct. I'm between Grinky and Barlow. Is it one of those two? Yes, it is. I'm gonna say Barlow.
3: Yes, it is. Oh yeah. Scott Barlow and Brad Keller both are with a one point one. Jacob Junis would be uh, third on the team with one point. I mean he's second on the Giants though, so it's not just like to say that. Oh, he's you know it's just right. It's crazy to start. He's had. but you mentioned this last week. Like he started well last year. We'll we'll kind of wait and see as uh, the the season goes on. I just thought that was kind of an interesting trivia question right now.
4: That is interesting. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, David, we appreciate you spending some time with us, as always. And before we let you go, one last thing with Adam.
0: All right, David, one last thing. Have you ever eaten breakfast at Childers Eatery? I'm
4: sorry, Childers Eatery? Yeah. I don't even know what it is, so I have to say no. Apparently Um, a
0: pretty famous breakfast joint in Peoria, Illinois, which you should be familiar with. Childers Eatery? Where is it? Uh, They have apparently a few locations. They've been serving the hearts and souls of central Illinois for 45 years, David. Um, East Peoria, Camp Street, War Memorial Drive, uh, Humboldt Avenue, and uh, University Street.
4: Wow, I um, wow, I feel I I feel like I've cheated myself. I, nope. I've never I've never even heard of Childers either.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could be pronounced Childers, but still, it's the well, same, I've never heard know. of that either. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, next time, <laughs> guess, uh, next time you go I to the alumni banquet, I guess check it out.
4: Yeah, that's 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 where I'm going. Well, you know, it's War Memorial up in Peoria is like their their main drag. So I don't know how I've missed that, but I guess I gotta go to Peoria now.
3: Well, David, thanks again for the time, man, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That was David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Check out his work. Subscribe to his Substack. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Here on FM 101.7, thirteen twenty, KLWN. Depend on it.
2: You're listening to RCST Trivia with Derek Johnson and Adam Dravetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the RCST Trivia Phenomenal 4. 64 contestants entered this competition with aspirations of winning the RCST Trivia title and a big screen TV from 23rd Street Brewery and now just four remain. We've witnessed heroism, villainy, dedication, arrogance, joy, domination, submission, wait, hold on, different script, happiness, excitement, insider trading, cattle branding, a turtle that's just too slow to cross the finish line, and a little bit of luck. But through it all, four contestants have broken through to plant their seed in the womb of trivia lore. Who will win the final prize you've already collected hundreds of dollars worth of prizes with more on the line today and a shot at a big screen tv from 23rd street brewery the championship trophy and a whole lot of pride on the line will tyler feist continue the trend of the previous year's third place winner taking the title and prove to his newborn that daddy is a feisty winner Justin Nichols' momentum of beating the nefarious Nick push him to the winner's circle and turn Nichols into dollars? Will Ryan Brown continue to play coy but answer everything right and have him feeling like the Ryan Gold medal winner? Or will our defending champion, Eric Hansey, continue to crush the competition and air wreck his opponents? We'll begin to find out today.
3: If that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. The Phenomenal Four starts today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to have our first matchup in about 10, 15 minutes from right now. Uh, We have our second matchup tomorrow. That'll be the one-seed Eric versus the 14-seed Ryan. Uh, Our first game is the three-seed Justin Nichols, the one-seed Tyler Feist. For today's matchup, we're going to have the championship game I don't, I don't know yet. It'll either be later this week or it'll be next week. It just kind of depends on how the schedules line up. We also have a third place game. And once again, RCST trivia is brought to you by Twenty Third Street Brewery, Kurt Geiser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Windows and Doors, Rockjock.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Your title sponsor, Twenty Third Street Brewery. We can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. Try any of the great food because it's all delicious. I've been uh, kind of venturing out on the menu because I always get stuck. It's like, oh, I'll just get the Bill's off mac and cheese or the Haney Turkey Stack or the Hank Booth Burger. You know, try to try some more things in the menu. So I've tried the fish and chips. I've tried the uh, Cajun's. Piping Hot Pasta, I might have the, the wrong name there, but close enough. It's all great. Everything I've had has been wonderful, Um, so I'd recommend that to you as well. Don't just, you know, settle into one thing. Try the different menu items because you might find something else that you love just as much as, as your favorite. Uh, and don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. To this point, here is all the prizes that these people have amassed for making the Phenomenal Four. A $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery for winning their first round game, their second round game, their sizzling 16 round game, their grade 8 game. So that's four gift cards to the brewery. That's $100 total to the brewery. RCST Trivia t-shirt, which has unlimited value because you can't buy them anywhere. I mean, you if you offered me money, I would, I would sell it to you. But um, win yours for free. Uh, for making the sizzling 16 free sandwich and breakfast sandwich to McDonald's, a $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, here in Lawrence, and they have a, a bunch of new hemp-derived cannabinoid products, Delta 8 or 9s. So they have all sorts of stuff that can help with your, you know, if you're achy from playing golf and stuff, it's great for that. If you have trouble going to sleep, great for that. Uh, $10 gift card to Wine Bros, great food and stuff. That, thanks to Kurt Gieser State Farm, you can give Kurt and his team a call today that can help you with insurance needs, financial advice. I don't know, if you just want to talk to Kurt because he's a great dude, <laughs> give him a call. Um, a voucher for free VIP car wash, Mr. D's Auto Wash. You could always use your car wash. Homefield apparel gear, so really comfy shirt. I think those are out shipping and everything. Should get the contestants soon. That thanks to Pella doors and windows, which can help you with any window or door needs from vinyl to fiberglass. They've got a long history of wood and clad products as well. As well, Pella doors and windows. uh, Thirty dollars of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchuck.io. I keep seeing on social media people pulling great, you know, moments or, or packs, and they're, they're releasing like great stuff. With Rockchuck.io, get your KU collection started and be part of the Jayhawk NFT community where, you know, you can join these Discords and like you, you get to talk to David McCormick or Mitch Lightfoot or whoever. Um, auto entrance into RCST trivia for next year, a one seed for RCST trivia next year, Phenomenal Four Trophy, an engraved water bottle, those from Jayhawk Trophy, and an RCST hat with a Phenomenal Four logo. That is a lot of prizes. And there are still more on the line here for these upcoming winners. And that that's exciting, and obviously the big the big grand prize the the big screen TV. Let me ask you, if you were in this thing and you got yourself in another TV, what would you do with it? Watch it. Well, I know that, but like, <laughs>
0: um, you know, I currently don't have the the what a lot of sports fans do is the setup of multiple TVs, which comes in obviously you know comes in handy the first weekend of March Madness. But also comes in handy for college football Saturdays, NFL Sundays. Comes in anytime. Yeah, exactly. So that is one thing I'm lacking. Um, I actually am not a big fan of um, video games. I've never been much of a video game guy. But one thing that that does work is if you have a roommate or a family member who does like video games... And you've got, if there's not multiple games going on, but you, you know, let's say you want to watch Monday Night Football and your roommate or your spouse or whatever wants to play video games, you've got another TV for that. So I would definitely, I would keep the TVs that I currently have uh, and and not use it as an upgrade. I would use it to add because I do not currently have the multi-TV setup, which any sports fan, a lot of sports fans uh, know how how important that can, that can be.
3: I just, I... Like okay, I, I don't root for individual people. I mean, there's like there's like people who I'm very happy for when, they're, when they win. There's other people who I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Like there's nobody I'm ever like not happy for that they won. But there's certain that's people a lie. That, there's
0: one, but he he got out.
3: Okay, yeah, that that's true. Uh, but um, you know, there are a, a lot of people that you know I like their story and I want them to do well. It doesn't mean that I'm gonna make the questions easier or anything for them. It just it just is what it is. But I do think it would be funny if like one person, whether it's Eric or Isaac or whoever, just like kept winning to where they ended up with like like they got to a point where it's like I have sixty te- or like I, I, I don't have know sixteen to do TVs with in my room. TVs. I don't know what else to do. Just donate them or something. Um, just like just give it to the second place winner. That's
0: yeah. That's an that's an interesting thought. The to me the storyline is um, I know you know will we have a repeat champion? That's a huge storyline. To me the storyline is this: only one. Uh, grade eight contest went to the really hard category this year mm-hmm. will we get into the really hard category at all between the two semifinals or the championship in
3: the third place game I'll say yes you think so I think so I think uh, I'll say this I think we're going to get it in one of the semifinal matchups we've got talent there's no reason to think we wouldn't but you would have thought that in the grade eight right yeah you I would've. mean
0: um, I don't know that 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 to me is the biggest one. Um, you know, there just there's been some epic. I mean, right now I would say the I would make the argument that the best matchup has still been that matchup between Lane and Doug in, in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, although Doug and and uh, Ryan had a pretty great great eight matchup. Yeah, that would um, be my favorite so far. But yeah, we we. You know, in, in around we all knew the grade eight contestants all had tons of talent. The Eric
3: Andrew one was um, that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. That'd probably be number one for me. Then the Doug Lane one would be right there, just because the the other one went just later but, in the but, tournament. But yeah, more more on the line. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, we we have you know of all as as you know as talented as the grade eight contestants were, only one matchup went into the really hard category, and I'll be interested to see if that happens. We have a total of four matches left between the two semifinals, the championship, and the consolation round. Um, and, and, yeah, so four more. We had four grade eight matchups, and we have four left. To find out, are are, are we going to get in? Because we've got, let me tell you, um, one of the things that Derek and I do off, off the air is we'll just laugh at some of these really hard questions. and go, no one, <laughs> no way. nobody's yeah. getting these.
3: And um, I, I've said so, that a yeah. couple times this year. And, and they that got them. Yeah. And so that is always just amazing to me. But, yeah, there's... There's a stretch coming up here because, again, we, do, we don't like specifically plan out when we're going to ask them. We, we just have a running list of questions. We add to it. We delete. We whatever. And then we just, when it's time for that day or, or we plan for maybe that week or whatever, we just pull a, a selection of the questions, print them out on a piece of paper, go back over them with each other. There let is me- a stretch of really hard questions coming up where, like, there might be, like, six straight missed if we get to that Let round. me say this. of the. Let me just tell you right now. For the really hard
0: category... Um, I feel, well, I don't know how to word this. You're going to have to look them up. I, I don't know that this is going <laughs> to have to do more you, than that. Well, no, but I'm <laughs> saying, I don't know that anything yeah. in the really hard category is going to be something that we, that people just know off the top of their head. No, there's no sense? way. There's no way. So it's going to have to be, we had one, um, one of our grade eight, uh, matchups. We, we, we said, you know, how did you know that? Or we asked, you asked the question and uh, I think it was Eric said, Oh, I actually just looked mm-hmm. up uh, looked this up this morning. So it's not something he just knew off the top of his head. He he, he had been studying mm-hmm. the the really hard category right now. You're gonna have to study. These are not things that you're just gonna know.
3: Yeah. You no, you and can't. they're not ones that you can probably just guess either. Like they're not like notable. Anyway, um, I no. don't want to give up too much on those. No, and, yeah, no yeah, that's, that's maybe, really, I,
0: but, I don't want to give too much away, but I just want to say. It's going to require studying. It's not going to be anything you just happen to know because you're a KU fan. Yeah,
3: and, and who knows? Maybe we never even get there. Maybe we, that doesn't even matter and it gets decided before then. Uh, but that said, uh, real quick, before we take a break and get into that matchup between Tyler and Justin, who is your pick right now to win it all? You don't have to give me who's going to be in the title game. No, just no. Who's sticking, your one pick I'm to win it
0: all? I'm with, sticking uh, with Eric. I said it was, it was Eric and Doug last week, and Doug, you know, and look, Ryan is... I don't care what Ryan says. Ryan's a fantastic. Ryan knows his stuff and is a great competitor. Uh, But I think Eric gets through, and I think we see a repeat champion.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with you there with Eric as well. But I will say if Tyler's able to get through and he played Eric in the title, that would be the exact same scenario that happened last year, which was our defending third place winner, which was Eric, played the defending champ in the title and beat him. And that would be Tyler's opportunity to do to Eric. so it could okay. be a similar pattern. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get into that first phenomenal four matchup of RCST trivia coming up next between Tyler Feist and Justin Nichols, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geezer State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, Rockchuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. We'll be back after this. Our first trivia matchup of the Phenomenal Four. We have our second one coming up tomorrow. Once again, trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, Rockchuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. The one seed out of the East region with Tyler Feist, the three seed out of the uh, South region with Justin Nichols. And let's go ahead and meet our contestants as we send it to the PA announcer, Joel Becker.
2: Let's meet our first Phenomenal Four contestants for our first matchup. Year one was a year of firsts for Tyler Feist. He made the Phenomenal Four. He won the third place game. But now he's back for more. Now he's back for blood. Going perfect on questions through four victories, with 49 overall correct trivia answers, all time, and nine career trivia victories, both third in RCST trivia history, the number one seed out of the East Region, Tyler Feist. Just like his opponent, Justin Nichols is in year two and has already smashed last season's debut. Some even call him a hero, while others wonder if his elimination of Nick in the great eight will lead to immortality, or at least a few fans buying him beers. Going 13-3 on trivia questions with 20 hits all time, the three seed out of the South region, Justin Nichols.
3: All right, so back from that, um, Kyle Martin here as well, our guest analyst for RCST Trivia. We've had Kyle and Isaac uh, in on the shows here. And, uh, Kyle, phenomenal four here between Justin and Tyler. What are you kind of looking at in this matchup?
5: Uh, I'm looking to see if, uh, you know, if Justin, fresh off the takedown of of the monster, uh, Nick Schwartz is ready to go today. Um, the phenomenal four against Tyler also looking to see if, if this is the year Tyler breaks through. Um, you know, it starts here today. I know Isaac is really bullish on Tyler's chances this year. So, uh, yeah, excited to see what, uh, what prevails today. I have Tyler as a slight betting favorite <laughs> today. Um, you know, overall, uh, looking good. He was a favorite prior to Eric's win against, uh, Filer, but Eric's moved into the one spot with, uh, the big win over Andrew. So, um, See if Tyler can regain it today and get into that title game.
3: Well, certainly, Justin, um, you have to answer the question of, you know, there's always if you have like a big win, um, do you have the letdown the next performance? It's hard to have a letdown because you're in the phenomenal four and you obviously get up for this. But, you know, you probably had the most notable win in the grade eight just in terms of you took out Nick Schwert. And that was a big storyline, and everyone was rooting for you to do so. So, have you partied a little too hard since then? Have you found it difficult to get back up for the matchup here today?
1: I, you know, I, I, I haven't celebrated too much, but I agree with Kyle that, that, uh, you know, Tyler probably ought to be the betting favorite. Beating Nick is something, but it's not that much. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens today. I, I, Continue to do basically what I've been doing up to this point, which is not that much to prepare, and we'll see what happens.
3: Tyler, uh, being the betting favorite, um, does that make you uncomfortable? Is that something you're embracing? How do you feel headed into this matchup?
6: I don't think the being the favorite makes me uncomfortable. What makes me uncomfortable is this the round I lost last year, so now I've, I kind of feel the pressure that I need to get a little farther because I, I you never know when I'm going to be in the phenomenal four again. So I, I just, I, I really want to win that, uh, the title.
3: Well, for both of you guys, I'll ask you first, Justin, uh, you're two wins away from winning that big screen TV. Thanks to our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery here in Lawrence. Well, what would you do? Do you have plans for if you were to score that TV?
1: I think it would take up residence right in the in the family room and, and the TV that we've got in there would have to find another home. Uh, and I think my kids would be pretty excited about it.
3: Tyler, what about you? Do you have any plans for the TV?
6: Yeah, my wife and I—we might have to do like a full revamping of our living room. We might have to like sell our couch, get a different <laughs> style of furniture, and a TV, uh, whatever you call the thing of that goes underneath it. I'm not sure we'd hang it on the wall, but I don't. We've been thinking about it a little bit. All right,
0: All right. And real quick, before we get started, I just need to make a request of both of you guys, Tyler and Justin, whoever wins, and I'll do the same thing in the other semifinal, whoever wins this TV, now there there comes a requirement with it, and that is every time you get together with friends and family to watch something on that TV, you remind them that you earned that. Yeah. <laughs> you make sure they don't forget that, that you might be
3: watching as a family, but that is your TV. <laughs> you earned it well. Well, uh, all right. Let's go ahead and get into our matchup then. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for the noise?
6: Mm
3: -hmm. All right. And uh, I guess technically, I haven't even thought about this. Fortunately, it didn't happen. Although, I guess it could in the finals. But uh, I don't know what happens if both guys were the same seed in the Phenomenal Four. Who would get to pick? We don't have to worry about that here. Justin, you were the three seed. Tyler, the one. Uh, So, Justin, you have the option. Do you want to go first or go second?
1: Um, I'm going to go second.
3: All right, that means Tyler, you're up first, into the easy category of our questions. Tyler, name a school that Bill Self has beaten in the Elite Eight. Miami. Yep, that the most recent. Any would have done. I'm not going to list all of them, but I mean it wouldn't take that long. It's what four. Okay, yep. uh, on to you, Justin. Name a school that Bill Self has beaten. In the Sweet 16. Providence. Yep. Again, going the recent one. You could have also said Kansas. I didn't know that. I was, I was that. just yeah.
1: going to
0: ask you. You would have accepted I Kansas, would have, right? Yeah, yeah, when he was at Illinois. Back in 01.
3: Uh, I don't know who they beat at uh, when he was at Tulsa and they made the Elite Eight, but nonetheless. I know. They were a, they were like a seven seed, too. It was mm-hmm. a decent upset. All right. On to the medium round of questions. Back to you, Tyler. Entering the game ranked 6th. In the non-conference of the 2003-2004 to 2004 season, Kansas fell by 14 points on the road against Kirk Snyder, Nick Fazekas, and what opponent? Nevada? Yep. Nick Fazekas was not kind to KU.
0: And they came very close, closer than a lot of people realized to playing them in the Elite Eight that year because mm. that was the other regional
3: semifinal. Instead at Georgia Tech. Okay, on to you, Justin. One month later, in that same 2003 to 2004 season, Kansas was ranked 12th and lost by one at home to Mike Scrockey and what Atlantic 10 opponent?
0: Um, Ten seconds.
3: Temple. Mm. Correct answer is Richmond. Richmond beat KU on their home floor. Tough one. It was a game in which uh, KU just happened to have an open slot,
0: and it wasn't even part of the. I think you can probably find some posters of the of the pre- of the schedule that were made in preseason that didn't include no. that game. I wish they. And, uh, they, they wish they didn't. Yeah, and then they. I don't know, month or maybe a couple of weeks ahead of scheduled that because they had an open slot and uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they don't play that even. Maybe they don't lose that game. They don't wind up making an elite eight run. Who knows? But uh, that night they certainly weren't happy about it.
3: So, Justin, you go home there. Did you know the answer to the Nevada one? I did. And Tyler, did you know the answer to the Richmond one?
6: Yeah, I did. Uh, when you, I remember the Richmond one and I when you said Atlantic Ten. I think I would have said Richmond.
3: Well, we get a, a quick first Phenomenal Four matchup. So, uh, Justin, thoughts de- departing. I mean, you're not done yet. You still have a third-place game upcoming between uh, the next opponent. That's the cool part about making the Phenomenal Four. You're guaranteed two more matchups no matter what. But but thoughts on your run through trivia to this point?
1: It's, it's been a good time. I'm glad to... Glad to have done it again and uh, remember that Richmond game now that we are uh, talking about it and feel a little stupid that I couldn't remember it when it was time to answer it correctly. But um, you know, Tyler's Tyler would have wiped the floor with me either way. So uh, this is, this isn't a surprising end.
3: Well, the beauty, the beauty of trivia is that you can't really get blown out. Like the most you lose by is one question. So you can just be, I lost by one. It was a close loss. Um Tyler, uh, for you, you're headed to the championship game, so you have officially made it further than you did last year when you won the third place game, and now you're fighting for all all the marbles. Are are you going to be able to contain your nervousness? I mean, what's the study regimen going to be like over the next however many days till the championship game?
6: Oh, I, I think I'll be okay with uh, containing the nerves. I do have a I have a book that I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna read through to prep and then do my uh, normal electronic studying and uh this 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 run to the title game i tell you it's been i've had a lot of respectable opponents but i don't know if i make people nervous or what (laughs) because i think i've answered like 13 questions total this year and i answered that many questions versus isaac alone in the (laughs) phenomenal four last year so this is like the exact opposite of last year i had to answer like a million questions and i don't know i guess it's just i am
3: kind of i j I'm kinda I'm kinda lucky, honestly. That's like KU. KU got some uh fortunate yeah, you draws there piss along in way, the way.
6: Right? Take advantage yeah. of it. You
3: were the bottom right one seed, just like KU. And here you are playing for the title game. Kyle, um, so we know that now Tyler is is in that championship game. Uh, what can you say to kind of preview a, a possible title matchup between either him and and Eric or or him and Ryan Brown? Uh yeah, I
5: was I was actually gonna ask uh Tyler how many questions he's had to answer <laughs> through this thing he's been I just cruising. checked
3: it's it's 14 through today
5: yeah I uh I I'm preparing for uh an, an Eric versus Tyler final uh no offense to Ryan uh, but you know Eric's defending champ hasn't missed a question neither has Ryan um but I think even Ryan would tell you and he will I'm sure that <laughs> yeah, he, he will he that. will he's <laughs> just gonna he's just gonna guess uh and hopefully he gets it right but um yeah, I, I, I think I have to agree with Isaac. I think, uh, you know, hearing that electronic studying, reading through, I, I've been there. You know, we've, we've talked about studying a lot on this show, and uh, that's the mindset. I feel good about Tyler uh, bringing home that trophy.
3: Well, guys, congratulations. Justin, like we said, you still got a third-place game for you. Tyler, uh, you're moving on to the title game. One win away from the big screen TV. Good job, guys.
1: Good luck, Tyler. Yeah, thank you.
0: I'll say this: the uh, that Richmond game for the longest time was the mo- when I tried to list off um, Bill Self's home losses. That was always the toughest one for me to remember. I would agree it, with that it, it kind of you know it it came at a time like Kentucky for example. A lot of those Kentucky games came at a time when KU doesn't normally play, like since the SEC challenge has been put in. Um, those games are played you know, mid-conference. So Mm -hmm. they come at a time, but it's still Kentucky's a big enough opponent. Whereas Richmond, it kind of came mid toward the beginning, but still right when conference play is going, you really don't think about January losses, uh, non-con losses.
3: Right. And that's the big hint there. The big hint, honestly, for the Nevada one, Nick Fizikas was not the best player in that game. Nick Fizikas was, it was the game in Allen Fieldhouse the year later, the year before, whichever, no, the year later, that uh, Fizikas like just went off. It was more Kirk Snyder that game but Nick Fizikas is the name that registers because of that the year later. The big hint in the Richmond one wasn't necessarily the Mike Scrocky one cuz I, I doubt you remember him maybe you do. It was the Atlantic A-10, 10 one yeah. which that that's what Tyler said was was the uh the big hint for him.
0: And I feel same thing like you know it's it's a bummer that Justin would have known the Nevada question but I I it helps that Tyler would have known the Richmond question. Mm-hmm. I like, you know. But Heck of a match, and, and that's not the last uh, difference about. Once you get to the phenomenal four, that's not the last we're hearing of Justin. So we'll get him for the for the consolation uh, prize.
3: What was the equivalent to that of a final four game? Was that like KU Villanova this year, where it was just kind of over early? I guess, but even then they kind of came back. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, was it Villanova Oklahoma from twenty sixteen?
0: Sure, I I guess I I mean I I don't know what. It's such a difficult comparison because, like you said, it's always a Mm one-question difference. It's just a matter of how early does it happen. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. But, you know, tough one and and, and not a bad – another reason that's not a bad comparison or Villanova-Kansas in 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 2018, um, you know, the opponent was clearly a worthy opponent. It just happened to not be be their night, you know.
3: Right. So, good for Tyler. It is funny, like he said. So, last year he answered um, 37 trivia questions correctly on his run to win the third place game. And
0: just over a third of that.
3: Yeah, he has 14 at the moment. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. But he hasn't missed. 14-0. And he, well, the the negative of that for him is that, um, you know, he might have had a chance to, and maybe he he will in the final, he might have had a chance to surpass Isaac for the second most Correct trivia answers all time because now he's sitting at ten and one overall. His fifty-one correct trivia answers. Isaac has the second most trivia wins all time, twelve. So that can't be passed no matter what uh, this year by Tyler. But Tyler is at fifty-one to Isaac's fifty-eight. So he'd need to answer eight questions in the final round. Which, if that happens, that would be be the greatest final round. So uh, hopefully, it does happen because that'd be fun, you know. Yeah,
0: that would be. To me, the best ever was, uh, at least that I remember, was Duke-UConn 99. That would be uh, up there with that. If if they have to answer eight questions to win, that would be something.
3: Yes, it would. So, congratulations to Tyler. He's moving on to the uh, final game. Uh, We talked about this earlier, but once again, the prizes that you receive for moving on to the final... You get another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. Every round you advance, you get another gift card to the brewery from Bill Self Mac and Cheese to Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat. And another $30 of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io where you can get your KU collection started or add to your already existing collection of NFTs that you can buy, sell, and trade with other KU members and be part of the Jayhawk NFT community. As far as the championship in third place uh, awards coming up, the third place matchup is just another matchup for another $25 gift card to the brewery. So just another chance to kind of pat your winnings there. As far as the champion, obviously the big screen TV from the brewery, another $25 gift card, a championship trophy from Jayhawk trophy, cool looking trophy, lifetime entrance into RCST trivia. So some big uh, prizes still on the line. What if
0: we get to the point in, you know, down the road where, you know, the, the it's still going, the, the the tournament is still rolling, trivia is still going. What if we get to the point where we've had 64 of these and every champion gets lifetime entrance? That would mean we can't enter anymore, right? I mean,
3: that's that's a, that's a future, future problem. <laughs> Will radio even be a thing in yeah, 64 good, years? By then, they'll you know just, what I mean. yeah, that's
0: we'll just be, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, well, I'll, I'll probably fun, be it's, dead. It's so. fun to think about. Yeah, so, I is. mean, 64 years, that's true, I'll be in my 90s. Um, man, I probably look gross that old. I look gross now.
3: Well, I just, yeah, that's a future problem. I don't think we'll have to worry about it, to be honest. He's Adam. I'm Derek. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN, depending on it.
2: Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender.
3: I got to get out
1: of here. I think I'm going to lose it.
6: Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs>
2: Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
6: You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm supposed to calm down. Look around you.
2: With Derek Johnson and Adam Dravetta.
4: When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays?
3: No. No, man. Happy case of the... Can you have a happy case of the Mondays? Well, we're going to try. We're about to find out. Yeah. Uh, he's Adam Gravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk about a quarter till five. Talk some more KU basketball at the top of the hour. And with that being said, let's get into our case of the Mondays here on your Monday, May 16th. First story... That I have, uh, actually, this isn't even a story. Uh, Case of the Mondays for college graduates. Uh, first of all, congratulations if you graduated from yeah, college. Yeah, good job, good for everybody. You. That is a real achievement. Um, you know, you probably had a a long weekend, a long weekend of partying and all sorts of things. Um, those can be rough weekends too. I, I don't know if you have a graduation story, but I, I remember like being up till like three or four in the morning. And because how they do it, they have like the, um, they have your like your school graduation. I think that's on Saturday, and then you have the walk down the hill on Sunday. And it, mine was on Friday. Your your like, uh, yeah. Your English one. Yeah. Um, I th- I could have sworn the journalism one was Saturday. Nonetheless, they so this year it got pushed back due to weather. So it was like at one or two o'clock or something when they walked down the hill. I, I think for me it was in the morning. It was like nine in the morning or something. Yeah, my
0: or mine was ten.
3: So I remember being up to like three or four. <laughs> in the morning the night before and then you wake up after like three hours of sleep grab the champagne bottle go back down walk down the hill is a good time but uh yeah certainly probably feeling like you have a case of mondays but who cares you just graduated college probably i don't um, have a job just yet or at least if you do you I, I would hope you took at least like a week or two before getting into it right i yeah i, I didn't really party
0: too hard that weekend um had a like a family get together we got a keg and and am my and you know celebrated my parents backyard and had friends and family over and that was cool um but i didn't really go too hard either night um and then by the time the the festivities died out what i did the night of after you know that sunday and that sunday night after the festivities had died down i uh was at my house and um I watched uh, the Royals uh, the replay of the Royals wildcard game from that previous fall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I actually did not do the champagne. I got a big old cigar. And bit that on the way down. Mm,
3: there you go. Uh, this just out case of the Mondays for future NFL teams because there is uh, starting in 2023, ESPN's Monday Night Football. Will include flex scheduling from weeks fourteen to eighteen. Oh, teams are gonna be pissed. And about also that. will feature three Monday night football double headers. So yeah, you could you could be scheduled to play Sunday and then you have to completely change up your like that would suck. You if you're a player, it's like Wednesday or something, it's like we've already practiced two days, now they're gonna flex it, although maybe they'll they'll have to do it before then. And it's like all of a sudden you have to change that up, and then you're gonna have a shortened week because of that the next week. They would have to flex That's it. That's crazy. They would man. have to flex it two weeks out, right? They have to. How can you flex? To change the day on like, which I, you play? is, I, yeah, is crazy. I, I, I get the flexing of you know Sunday night. That's games. changing like, maybe
0: oh. seven or three or seven hours depending yeah. on
3: if you're going to play at noon or three o'clock. That's insane to me. So yeah, yeah, you're flexing. A, Actually, a that'll be day. case of the Tuesdays. For that people.
0: has you have to make that two weeks out. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, next story. I didn't have much to say on that other than it's just kind of ridiculous. The Cincinnati Reds are having a case of the Mondays. Boy, howdy. Yeah, and, and, you know, let's be fair, they've had a lot of these cases of the Mondays. They are the worst team in Major League Baseball. I'll say this, though, they did have a uh, pretty good last week or so. They, you know, are, are starting to win some games. It helps that they're in the same division as the Pirates, who are not good, but they're still the worst team in Major League Baseball. They're still, you know, having one of the worst starts in MLB history. So pretty much every Monday is a case of the Mondays for them. Um, So you have to do something extra special for them to appear on case of the Mondays. And the reason they're here is because yesterday they threw a no hitter and they didn't have any errors either. No. So you might be saying again, why are they on case of the Mondays? They threw a no hitter. Well, if you looked at the score, they lost the game.
0: The thing was that what got me was the, the lack of errors. Like that is amazing. The only way you allow a base runner at all is through walks and you
3: still lose. That was hideous, man. So I think there have been like 300 no-hitters ever. I think six were losses. Yes, yeah, six have been losses. and um, But
0: how many of those were no errors? How many of those six losses didn't include an error? That's a good
3: question. I mean, it makes sense in baseball, right? Because you can walk someone. Um, no, I get it. I'm, not, But it's just... that's. But it's funny because baseball is probably the only sport where you can be like essentially perfect. I, I know perfect game and no-hitter are different. But essentially for all intents and purposes, are perfect in one area, and it doesn't matter. Like, if you, if your defense pitches a shutout in the NFL, or your offense gets a touchdown on every drive, you are winning the game. You know what I mean? I guess that's that's not true. The Chiefs and Colts game where they didn't punt, um, so that's what turnovers do, but I don't know. That That's just weird to me. Uh, yeah, so the Reds ended up with just four hits in the game. They got shut out. They ended up giving up one run in the eighth inning, Um. Hunter Green had five walks. Then Art Warren had one more. So they ended up walking six Pirates players. Like, that, that's why it happened. Yeah, but don't... I mean, four of them have to be in a row. Yeah. I mean, but you give up a walk, steal a base, pass ball, and then a uh, sack fly. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But the last one that happened was the 2008 Angels-Dodgers game, and I actually remember watching this one. Um... It was it why. Was it was Jared Weaver. Okay. Threw a no-hitter, and I don't remember what happened in that one. I thought it was I, – I think it was a situation where he walked someone, and then um, guy stole a base, and then there was like a, a sack fly, and then there was like a pass ball. The Angels did have two errors, so it could have been off an error or something, but that that's, it's that's, just that's, insane to that's me. truly embarrassing. Yeah, it is. And, and the fact that, again, like it just happens to the Reds just – yeah, Chalk it up. Of course. Yep. I will say, though, if you're a fan and you're at the game, I, I don't know if they're the home or the road team. It, it, let's say you were a Cincinnati Reds fan. Wherever you're at, you're at the game. Knowing how bad they are. So, like, it's not like, it's like, oh, if we win this game, we can really turn things around. We're a playoff team now. No. Like, even if you win that game, it doesn't matter. Would you almost rather see that happen because – He's Historically, history. again, that is one of six. Yeah, that's that is true. one of the most rare things to ever happen. Like How, think about that. Perfect. Joel was in here earlier talking. He's like, "There's what only twenty something perfect games." Yeah. How many cycles have there been? There's been three hundred no hitters. There's only six of that that has ever happened. How about this? You're part of history. How about this? Um,
0: you get to watch your team throw a perfect game, and so that means they they obviously win because you can't lose a perfect, game, right? Because that means you. Nobody, no errors, no well, walks, so You got nothing.
3: perfect game, and it just um, never ended, and yeah. they just called it a tie. So now how about just, this?
0: You get to witness a perfect game, which obviously then results in a win, and you get to be there and see it, and it's your team, but your team also breaks the record for most losses in a season that same year. <laughs> you take it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think so they, they win would... like
3: 44 games, but one of them is a perfect game, and you get to be there for it. I mean, if I'm a Reds fan, I do. Because what's the alternative? Uh, But no, I... I, I But as a Giants fan... No, I would not. Because I I do, like, go into most years going, oh, you know, if things break right, we could win the World Series. And winning the World Series is a lot more fun than being at a perfect game, I would imagine. I've never been at a perfect game. But just one season? I don't know. I mean, you've gone through the Giants rebuild. It didn't take as long as the Royals rebuild. No, it it doesn't. But, like, it's not fun. It's very much not fun. And now imagine... That I will say this. That is the beauty of the MLB season. If your team is that bad, if you if you're breaking the MLB losses record, you're not really checking into the game. So it's not like it's emotionally like affecting but, you. And, it's and just they, like, oh, this is happening. Well, and didn't the Tigers, weren't they, didn't they broke the record
0: and, and were in the World Series? I don't know if like it was the record. Three years later, taker, I think. But I do know they won They're 40, darn close. They won forty eight games and then they they won the American League
3: three yeah. years later. Yeah, it's possible. Um but no. I I'd rather just You know, contend for it. Okay, next story. Case of the Mondays. The Chiefs pass rush. Uh, Melvin Ingram signing with the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, Miami continues to be a haven for former Chiefs players Tyreek Hill, Emmanuel Ogba, and this guy. I don't know if there's anyone else. Um, Well,
0: Trent Green went there.
3: That's right. Trent Green did go there. Uh, There's got to be other people. Nonetheless, um, you know, I... Okay, I'll say this. If this is Case of the Mondays... This isn't just one of those pure case-of-the-Mondays situations. This is case-of-the-Mondays, but you're getting a little relief with aspirin because the Chiefs do, what the the positive here, they they put that unrestricted free agency tender on him. And so if if he hadn't reached a deal with someone by, it was like July 22nd or something like that, he could only negotiate with the Chiefs or just play on like a $4.4 million tender or something like that. Um, But by signing with another team before then, the tender that they placed on him allows the chiefs to that get factored into their compensatory pick formula for the next season. I don't know what they'll get for him. I haven't seen what the contract numbers are that how much money he's getting. I can't imagine it's going to be one of those where you're getting like a third round pick back, but you know, if you get a fifth rounder or something out of this, it's not totally ideal, but you gave up what a sixth round pick for him. So, did if, they give up anything? I thought he hit waivers. Did he? Regardless, at most,
0: then you gave up a sixth or seventh, so he wouldn't do
3: Yeah, it was a six round draft pick. Okay, so you're right. It so, was... I mean, worst case, you're getting that pick back, plus you got like half a year production that almost helped you go back to another Super Bowl. So, yeah, and, and look, I. Works out. And I don't think. But it's, it's
0: unfortunate for this year because yeah, they need more passes. I do think a lot of fans heard Brett Veach talking about, you know, needing to revamp the defensive line, and he was right, In the pass rush, and he was right. Um, but I, I think they heard that and maybe thought it's going to go just as well as the revamped offensive line was this past year. I never expected that because I, I think they did a great job, but a lot of things also had to fall their way for things to work out so well with the revamped offensive line. Um, look, I, I still think they they add another piece, um, but this happens and you know, we'll see. I'm not... you know, I still think the Chiefs are probably a worse... Well, no. I, at this moment, I actually think they... Maybe close to, equal to what they were when they lost, when they walked off the field after the AFC Championship game. Yes, but I I can't, I can't definitively say they've improved. No, but I don't think that they're worse
3: either. I mean, it's it's impossible to know like how much will George Karlof this come in and impact things. Yeah, if he's a ten sack guy, then yes, clearly he becomes, you know, he he changes the level there. What about like guy like Joshua Kendo or Mike Dana? Do they improve as as an early young player? That could. Obviously change things, but... Um, At the very
0: least, we know we're not going to have to deal with Chris Jones as a defensive end. Like no, last
3: which year. that on its own for a full year is a positive. I, there's still some guys out there. Justin Houston's out there. Like, guys that you could get on one of your deals. I don't know. There might be bad blood there to where he doesn't ever want to re-sign with the Chiefs. Um, but who knows? He's still out there. Jadavian Clowney's still out there. Um... I know Robert Quinn, who had like 18 sacks last season for the Bears, has been dangled on the trade block. Yeah. So there's options out there. I would I would be kind of surprised if the Chiefs didn't add at least one more person. I,
0: yeah, I think so. I think somebody. It, it may not be this giant splash that headlines sports. It's Center, like a one year deal. But I think they'll grab somebody. And I I firmly believe. I, I don't want to say never. There are always exceptions to every rule. But in general, I have I never have a problem
3: with one one year deals. Nope. Okay. Last story. Case of the Mondays. The Moon. Imagine, imagine how tired you would be if you blocked out the sun for over an hour. That's a tiring job. It's a good point. Yeah. So, eclipse last night. If you missed it, that's not what happens in a lunar eclipse. Well, it blocks out the sun, doesn't it? No, the sun blocks out the, the solar. The solar eclipse is the moon blocking a lunar out the eclipse?
0: sun. It's just the Earth blocking out the moon. What? It's the so the moon is bright because the sun shines onto it. Right. Well, Well, why was the moon red? Well, because it wasn't a full-on eclipse. It wasn't completely blocked out. So what's going on... But what's going on during a lunar eclipse is the Earth is in between the sun and the moon.
3: This doesn't make sense to me.
0: Well, if you shine a light on a wall and put something in between the light and the wall, it's going to cast a shadow.
3: Listen, all I know is the moon has had it with everyone's BS... Earth, the sun, whoever—it's tired today. Give it a rest, man. <laughs> it deserves its rest. I don't understand astrology. Apparently, is what we're learning here. But uh, good for the moon. It was cool. Did you see it? It was nice. Yeah, yeah it was fun. It was fun. I—I I said this on Twitter. Imagine like a thousand years ago or, or something. I don't know where that happened for the first time. Right. Where like you—you you had no idea what was going on. We're we not like it's not like you live right next door to someone where you can ask them and oh yeah I saw that twenty years ago. We have you're just pissed like, off God. Yeah. You're like oh gosh, world's ending. See ya. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our case of the Mondays. I am stupid. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KU Basketball. Next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's Johnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We continue RCST trivia tomorrow. Only have three more matchups. One more in the Phenomenal Four, third place, and championship game. It's kind of sad, honestly. It's like the end. I I feel that way after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And and it helps when your team moves on. Because once your team moves on, once you get to the Sweet 16... I think you start to more focus just on, like, how can we win a title? Not that, you know, you're rooting for your team in the first weekend, and that's not the case. But the first weekend is is beyond just trying to see your team move yeah, on. Yeah, it's the whole event. Exactly. And then there, there's so many games. It's so much fun. Yeah, I get
0: the letdown for sure. Yeah. It's like post-vacation letdown. Yeah. Post-holiday letdown.
3: It's like you still know you're going to have fun Like at, when Post you're doing nap things. nap letdown. But I'm not a big nap guy. Love a nap. My wife loves a nap. I just... I go to sleep for like 3 hours. I wake up feeling groggy. That is the thing. You up all you, my day. you have
0: to make sure like you really have to be smart about naps. You can't cuz those naps where you go to bed and you wake up and it's nighttime and you're like what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. Um you know the best the best time for a nap. When? absolute best time for a nap. My little sister and I have this down to a science. Is the morning nap. And okay. that's when you got to wake up like something's going on. And you got to wake up at like 5 or 5.30 in the morning and you go get stuff done. But then whatever task it is you have to do is finished at, let's say, like 10, 10.30 in the morning. So you go home, you take a nap. It's so cozy. And you're still pretty tired because you had to wake up early. But you have the satisfaction of, one, you already accomplished something for the day because you had something to do early. You take a little nap. You kick awake maybe at noon or a little bit after. And you still you don't feel the guilt of having missed out on your whole day because it's still really early. That ten thirty a.m. nap is a game changer.
3: I have experienced, yeah, where you get up, yeah, I, I like those. Um, I had
0: when I in um, when I was going. That's to about the, the only nap I'll take, though. I, I was taking a broadcast class at a Community College uh, in the the one over in Overland Park, and my professor, well, at the time, was the weatherman for the morning news for one of the Kansas City news channels. And so he had us um, come watch, and I skipped all my other classes that day because he had us come watch a, uh, a taping of the morning news. And so we had to get there at like 4 in the morning. I just stayed up the whole night. I get there, watch it. It's pretty interesting. You know, it was, it was a fun experience. And then I get home at you know, like 9.15, and I just collapse in my bed, and it felt amazing because it was like a crisp November morning. And it was beautiful. It was an all-time nap.
3: Well, now that you can tell, we are in the off-season of sports as we discuss naps <laughs> here. <laughs> Open up the five. We o'clock could really only, I
0: mean, we we pushed that championship as far. No, here's, we here, bled
3: that thing dry. Yeah, all uh, right. Here's the segue to that. Who are we sleeping on? As uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, I think uh, there's starting to be heightened noise. I don't know if that's the way to put it. That among those three transfers that we've talked about the most that are wherever you look, top five available players in college basketball and also guys that KU is in on and, and they're interested in KU. Kevin McCuller, the transfer from Texas Tech, really good defender, six, foot six, lengthy wing. Tyrese Hunter, again, really good defender. Pesky, young point guard from Iowa State, has shown some ability to have outburst scoring games really quick. And Isaiah Mosley, the really good Offensive player from Missouri State who had a couple forty point games last year, averaged twenty points per game, but would have to make the transition from the Missouri Valley to the Big Twelve. I think we, so we could you say something like this: KU here, what I'm hearing,
0: eighty two percent chance McCollers comes to KU. Would you say something like that?
3: Why eighty two?
0: I'm, I'm referencing something very specific here.
3: Eighty-two. I have no idea. All
0: right. Well, people, I'll I'll tell you off there. People listening probably know what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. When you give a a, a a you won't commit to reporting something, but you'll just give a percentage on it. Oh, I thought you like so when there was that. A... That way, when people call you out for being wrong, you can just say no. I only said eighty-seven. I 80 thought you were just. Percent. I thought there was like a reference no, to the eighty-two. No, no, specifically. No, no,
3: no, no. Okay. Um. So you yeah. Know what I'm saying now. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Kevin McCuller. It, it seems like. I mean, already when you just narrow it down to say Tyrese Hunter had six people on his finalist list and Isaiah Mosley hasn't released finalist list, but you heard some teams that are interested. He visited Mississippi State, has a crystal ball pick for Mississippi State. Um, it seemed like Kevin McCuller, it was already the most likely because when you release and say I'm either staying in the draft or going to one of these two schools, you know at that point it's a one in three chance, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, KU was one of three at that point. They were basically one of six or seven with the other guys. Well, I
3: guess the talk today is that Gonzaga is probably not really an option, so it's probably NBA or KU for Kevin McCuller. And let's be clear, Kevin McCuller is in this NBA G League uh, combine the the same way that Jalen Wilson and and David McCormick is or are. And I I don't know how he's going to do. I I actually have seen him popping up in like the late second round in in certain mock drafts that you look at. So I, I don't know why he wasn't invited to the regular combine. Who knows? Um. But I do think that's very interesting to me because essentially KU is out of scholarships right now. If Christian Brown stays in the draft, which I think we expect him to, that's one opening Jalen Wilson stays in that's two. So at the very least you probably think you have one and, and you're, Basically, trying to prioritize who would you want the most. We we talked about last week, and I don't know if you ever settled on this, but I kind of settled on like if I was ranking them, I'd go Isaiah Mosley one, Kevin McColar two, Tyrese Hunter three for think, likeliness or desire. No, no, for desire. Yeah, uh, because I I do think that yes, there is a very big risk with Isaiah Mosley. Something C J. Moore brought up with us on Friday that we saw Joe Yassifu transfer in from the same conference that yep. Isaiah Mosley was, and you know Joe Yassifu had his moments last season, but he wasn't a mainstay in even the rotation. And so you're looking to whoever you get from the transfer portal among these guys, you want them to be not just a mainstay in the rotation, you want them to probably be a starter. Right? And so, if you get Kevin McCuller or Tyrese Hunter, you don't really have to worry about how does it translate to the Big 12 level because they played in the Big 12 and were really good players in the Big 12 this past season. Whereas there's Isaiah Mosley. And ever since hearing that comment, it has kind of Shifted a little bit for me, so I will agree to that. But I also have said all along that I'm more worried about the offense than the defense. Just, and that's not just from a how the roster is constructed. That's just a an overall philosophy for me. You have yeah. Bill Self, a great defensive coach. He's a great offensive coach too. But we've seen. I I just feel it's harder to just all of a sudden be like, hey, you don't have a ton of offensive talent, figure it out, than it is to say, hey, we don't have the best defensive talent, but we can at least figure it out with some scheme things like they did this past
0: season. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned this year, or this next year, um, that as much as we sat there in December all kind of agreeing that, okay, with a coach like Bill Self, you'd rather have an offense that's humming and your defense needing to catch up than the other way around. I think you agreed with that. I felt that way. Um, I think it was Newell I asked that question of. He felt that way. Um, I'm concerned. Now, look, I'm not saying that this team's going to fall apart and and miss the tournament or anything like that, but I do think we will be sitting here with a top 15 team that's dealing with the other side of that coin. Mm -hmm. I think come November, come December, it's going to be a team that is hovering in that top 15 range, so still fine, very good team, but... A team that is good at defense and um well, we saw leaves, that a, previous bit, year's leaves a bit to desire leaves a lot to be desired offensively.
3: Yeah. I uh as I look at like, you know, Bill South history, um, you look at his worst three point shooting teams. Twenty twenty one, they were a second round out. That team shot just thirty three point six percent. Got trucked from three. Yeah. In
0: um in the tournament.
3: Yeah, uh, 2020 was actually one of his worst. Well, but that team was if you can be that dominant on defense and a two point shots and and all these other things, then you can get away with it. Um, 2019 again, second round out got trucked in the second round. That was just 35 percent. Let's see. 2014 was just 34 percent. A team lost in the second round. Uh, Gosh, you go down the list like the only other one. 2004, they made the Elite Eight, but that's also a different time. In college basketball, or three-point shooting wasn't as as big of a deal. 2012, 34.5%. Again, that team got through in, in gritting by. So it's not, again, that, that it's an absolute, but most of these other teams are higher than that. And, and a lot of the, the lower teams for Bill Self, that, that was the case. I look at this year's team. It's not to say that they can't be good at three-point shooting. Dewan has shown the ability to, in clutch moments when he's open for three, knock him down. What if he takes another jump? MJ Rice, I don't really know what to expect from him. By all accounts, it sounds like he's more of a scorer than a shooter, more of a streaky guy. That could translate great. That could mean 28% from three. I I don't know what that means. Um, Zach Clements, who I think has the potential to be a really good three-point shooter, still just shot shot 27% last year, and also, realistically, Zach Clements, how how many threes is he going to shoot as center? Yeah, I know. You know what I mean, like three a game. Yeah,
0: well, that would be high. That'd be a that would, lot for yeah. Bill
3: Self center, right? Um, and even then, he's playing twenty to twenty five minutes a game. I think Grady I mean- Dick should be a great shooter. I, I really think... But how, he, who outside of Grady Dick and Zach Clements do you have a in, ton of...
0: I think in volume and percentage, Grady Dick might be the leader. Correct. Yeah, on this team in, in three point, in, in three points, yeah. uh, three pointers the next season. Well, And maybe and, Joey and, Yesfu, and the problem is, I don't know that they have a close second.
3: Right. Maybe Joey Esfu looks more like the guy from Drake, uh, from three. Um, but again, we didn't really see it last year. Bobby Pettiford wasn't really known for shooting. You go on and on and on down the list. And, and again, we could say, yeah, well, Cam Martin could be a really good shooter. How much is he going to play? We don't know. I think that the point being for me there is that when I think of even the bill self teams that didn't have like an overload of shooting, like obviously 2016, 17 and 2017, 18, right. uh, Had all sorts of shooters and wealth of shooters, but there have been really good bill self teams that have got by with maybe just two shooters, but that's the thing. It seems like the common theme for me is that you have to have at least two consistent shooters on the floor at all times. So 2019, 20, and they would have been the number one overall seed. Didn't have, like, overall a fantastic three-point shooting team. But Isaiah Moss was always a consistent three-point option. And, was and then too. one of either Ochai or Christian Brown coming off the bench as a freshman. And I, I, So you had at least two guys on the floor at all times. so You could space the floor. You have to have two at all times.
0: And I think threats to drive are a big deal and a good passing big man are a big deal.
3: So that's why I, I, I've said Isaiah Mosley um, all along. Again, though, if, if Bill Zelf says, I prioritize this guy over that guy, I trust Bill Self over my judgment. I do. I, I do. So if that's the case, then I will shift my answer. And you can say, like, oh, that's spineless, whatever. I, I don't care. Bill no, Self is I one No, I think two it's true. Titles. I mean,
0: it's- it's, I, I, you can make your judgment, mm-hmm. but that means that you're, but you're admitting that Self's judgment is better. Sure. But yeah. you're, you're, not, you're not saying, I'm going to wait till self makes a decision you're putting your thoughts out there Correct. but then also saying that if self differs you're not going to come on the radio and go oh my gosh right. this is a terrible decision because he seems to know what he's doing
3: um and, and this is good to point out I, I tweeted this out it's a little blurb from the athletic they have their their top available players in college basketball and the blurb for because you might see kevin mcculler and, and to the opposite side of this conversation of the three-point shooting and everything because we know kevin mcculler six foot six a uh, strong-looking dude. He could help you out at the 2, 3, or 4 position. He'd be switchable defensively. He'd fit in so well in so many different ways. But he's only a uh, 30% three-point shooter last year, pretty much for his career at 30%, only 41% from the field last season. And you go, well, how much is he adding offensively? And if you're losing o if you're losing Christian Brown... Again, who knows with Jalen Wilson, uh, you're losing Remy Martin, you're losing David McCormick. That's a lot of offense to yeah. replace on that team. Can he help you fill in those gaps? Well, it is good to point out that before he suffered two ankle injuries, and he tried to play through them because he's a tough dude and you're on a tough team in Texas Tech, and he wanted to help out the team. Prior to those two ankle injuries where he did miss a couple games before coming back and then gritted through it, he shot 47, or I'm sorry, uh, forty percent from the field 37 percent from three
0: and you don't need to be a national title winning coach to know you need your legs to shoot
3: correct and then after that when he came back he was just 30 percent from the field and 22 percent from three so that clearly impacted things um Kevin Flaherty sent me uh some good information too where it showed his you know on Kevin McCuller his synergy page um that in catch and shoot situations in the half court he uh rated in the good section for, like, what percentile he was in. But the problem, too, that's the other thing. With Texas Tech, it's not really an offensive system meant to get, like, a guy like Kevin McCuller just yeah. open catch-and-shoot sh- shots, whereas with Kansas, you think they would be able to u- utilize that more. So I will say that is helpful to me, but that certainly is a question for me. A- and let's let's take Isaiah Mosley to the side. Let's say this did become a conversation of Kevin McCuller or Tyrese Hunter. Who would you go with? McCuller. Yeah is there a reason why is it the switchability I think I, the size yeah,
0: I th- well and I think um I also now look I think Hunter is better than any other option the KU currently has at the point guard spot but I do think they have enough quality currently at the at the point guard spot um that I, I think the two defensively and offensively they're they're missing I mean I don't expect expect McCuller to be as good as Ochai. that's an unfair expectation but they're, they 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 have more the a potential one than a potential two, three.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess if Jalen comes back, then you can argue that, okay, well, he is good enough to be a one scoring-wise, and Grady Dick can be your number two there, and if Zach Clements breaks out, like that, that's all great. And I'm just could talking make about your
0: tra- traditional positions. One oh, being, yeah, yeah. One being point guard, mm-hmm. two being shooting guard, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah, so I, I agree with you there. Um, but I don't think you could go wrong either way. You could also say that you know, Tyrese Hunter potentially would have more years under his belt so I could get on board for that argument, but realistically, yeah. will it matter? Because uh, Kevin McCuller could have two more years if he really wanted to, but I think if he's in the draft process, you're probably sitting there thinking, uh, ah, next year's probably his last year if he does come back. Tyrese Hunter, he could be gone after one year to the NBA draft as well. So I don't think you really worry about that as much. You just take the guy that you think will make you the best team, and the one thing going McCuller's way, it's interesting – if you would ask Bill Self, let's say four years ago, coming off Devontae Graham and Frank Mason, I bet you he would prioritize Tyrese Hunter over one of those guys so that he could play the two guards. Yeah. But I think the success this year, and especially the way the game has gone where switching defensively is more popular, almost makes him think, I'd rather have the one guard with the three wings and then the center Although around it.
0: He did say to me when I asked him about during, in Kansas City after the, during the Big 12 tournament after a game, I asked him about Remy uh, alongside uh, a um, and I think at that night he also played some alongside Joe Yesufu. Um, he said, "If I had my way, I, we we would never. There, you can't have too many uh, lead guards." Is yeah, what he so, said. So there's something to that too.
3: Yeah, it's it's an impossible question to answer, I guess, right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess that seems to be the way things are going. That Kevin McCuller could be a, uh, a Jayhawk if he decides to. To come back from the NBA draft is KU. Just add that to the list of decisions that KU's kind of waiting on in the NBA draft. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.